every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. boys and girls getting down on the floor. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, first Saturday of the month here in June. It means we're talking farm fresh commodities with the Arizona Farm Bureau. Our goal with this hour every month is to connect you, the Arizona homeowner, with the uh, produce and meats that come right out of our $23 billion industry in agriculture here in Arizona. So as you're doing your shopping and planning for the week and providing meals for your family, you know who and what to look for. And it can even just connect you to, you know, you may already be using uh, your favorite brand, maybe something local you didn't even know about before and you'll learn about and have a whole new connection to that, uh, you know, your, your meal preparation you're putting together. And Julie, Murphy, spokeswoman for Arizona Farm Bureau, is always here and has a guest. Uh, Mr. Peterson, welcome back. Yes, Tim Peterson. He's one of our ranchers. And Tim, we want to have you tell us about your company, its unique niche in the market, mm-hmm. and all the produce line or product lines, rather, that you produce. Um, and you have some new stuff that we need to find out about. But first things first, tell us about your ranch and what your family does. It's a family affair. You've got four kids, and I think all three of them work it? Yes, all four of them. All four of them? Yep. What did I say? You said you have four kids and all three work it. <laughs> what I meant is a three of the four work it, right? Okay, it's yes. still early. But Where's all my four coffee? Work it. <laughs> we're working on the math right now. Yeah, we're working on the math right now. That's why I'm a journalist. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, good morning. Thanks for the opportunity. And so um, my name's Tim Peterson. I'm a rancher here in Arizona. And uh, we own several ranches uh, throughout the state. And uh, um, I'm the co-owner of a company called Arizona Grass-Raised Beef. And you can find us at azgrassraisedbeef.com. Awesome. Thank you uh, for not putting the www in front of that. You're (laughs) welcome. So as part of our ranching operation uh, quite a few years ago, I just decided to kind of start this uh, local selling beef locally through farmer's markets and saw the need for uh, the market, the market's demand for local, local grown products. And uh, so we started Arizona grass-raised beef about 10 years ago and started selling at a couple of different farmer's markets in, you know, Fountain Hills and Scottsdale. And uh, eventually uh, landed a contract with the first natural grocery store that ever opened here in Arizona and, and did that for a while. And um, slowly figured out that there was uh, this market demand, you know, and, and so in the ranching business, it's a very um, <clears throat> labor intensive business and it's, it's, it's really a lifestyle more than a, more than a business. And, and uh, it's not a business where you make really a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's a good, good business. And so looking for a way to, to uh, grow and, and, cons- and just kind of spread out and try to earn more money, you know, this, this beef business just started growing. Um, over a period of time, I realized that um, there really weren't any places in Arizona to get the beef processed, slaughtered and, and processed, uh, you know, especially under USDA inspection. Um, you know, we have large plants that do that on a large scale, and a lo- uh, several of the small plants are, are state inspected, which are, which are great, you know, it's a great thing, but 
to be able to ship the product over state lines, to be able to work with, you know, large, uh, you know, food distributors, you need to be USDA inspected. So we're probably the only ranching outfit, I'm going to say, in the Western United States that has our own uh, USDA uh, slaughter processing plant, and that's up in uh, Chino Valley, Arizona. And uh, in an effort to try to, you know, make as much money off that carcass as we possibly could, we started coming up with different ideas. Uh, And the first idea we came up with is uh, bone broth. Uh, very popular right now. Yeah, bone broth is very nutrient dense. It's it's high in you know in collagen. Uh, it's it's very good for us. And it's and I mean when you grew up on the farm, great grandma always made broth. Nothing went to waste, and that's kind of the the, the concept at our company. So we started. Um, well, we actually uh, built a uh, took an old restaurant kitchen over in Camp Verde, Arizona, and converted that into a USDA inspected. Uh, commercial kitchen. And so all of the bones that come out of the grass-fed cattle uh, at the plant in Chino go to Camp Verde, and uh, we make uh, gallons and gallons of bone broth and ship that all over the country as well as our as our beef. And if you go on tours there, it just smells so good. Yeah, bone broth smells yeah, really, really like, good. It's like mom cooking soup. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tim, I feel everybody asking, where can I get some? Uh, the best place to get it is, you know, online. And that's, that's, you know, azgrassraisedbeef.com. And in fact, I think a lot of your product that you're ending up selling is literally your internet sales. I mean, you do have some of the other streams, but that's yeah. one of the main, correct? The, uh, well, yeah, as of today, over the last couple of years, um, I would say internet business is now 80 to 85% of, really? our, of, our, of our business the country. So you can maintain that volume. That's one of the other challenges with mm-hmm. our beef producers that sell directly is just making sure they can provide that volume. Mm-hmm. But the other thing you fix is going back to your point earlier is you have an AUSDA inspected plant. Yeah. And that is so critical, so key. Yeah. And that, and that, that was the real bottleneck. Um, uh, I would have my cattle shipped down to the University of Arizona. That's a USDA, have a USDA inspected plant. They're wonderful people down there. But uh, in order for me to be able to control the quality, uh, control so much that needs to be controlled in the food industry, especially in the beef industry, it just became uh, very obvious that we needed to have our own plant. So you have other product lines too, though. Yes. So you obviously have meat cuts. If I buy from your meat or from your website, that's what I'm going to get. Then there's the bone broth, but mm-hmm. what are some of your latest product lines? Yeah. So um, as, as of the last couple of years, we're, we're making a, a tallow, which is a, a healthy fat, and that's being sold under a, a partner uh, called Fatworks. But, uh, so, <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> so the fat, so you know, we try to utilize, uh, harvest the fat and the suet and put that into the, you know, the economic uh, picture of Arizona grass-raised beef. Uh, we're really excited about um, our beef jerky line that's coming out and uh, pet treats. And in an effort to to uh, utilize more of the carcass, you know, and, and, and value, you know, get the, the, the highest value off that carcass, we're taking all the organ meats, including the spleen and the lung, and, and uh, we're incorporating that into a very healthy pet treat there's no grains, no preservatives. It's just simple beef and organ meats. And we should be launching that, I would say, within the next 30 to 60 days. 
And then we're going to be launching a beef jerky product, which is uh, for humans. For humans, yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, our our, our niche is—I uh, mean, everybody, people are learning to love grass-fed beef. It's it's what we ate prior to the Great Depression. Uh, I've spent you know almost ten years trying to um, you know perfect and 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 make grass-fed beef very palatable and tender and you know we use dry aging as one of those methods and um so that's the same concept with our jerky it's very simple there's no sugar there's no preservatives and no additives it's just sliced uh, the whole muscle jerky will have a ribeye a new york a top mm-hmm. sirloin and a, and a i love jerky yeah it'll just be salted okay so i'll try some yeah. of yours yeah. awesome and again 85 percent of your product is going through the internet sales. Yep. So, um, well, I, talk about that when you're saying internet sales. Mm-hmm. Me, obviously, you'd have to keep it cold. How can this be delivered to my home? Yep. Yep. So, we sell quarters, halves, and whole beefs all over the state, and that's uh, delivered by us. So, we have a delivery truck and we'll deliver those right to your doorstep. Um, we have um, several packages that you can order online. And uh, at, in the Camp Verde kitchen, we have a, um, you know, a, a section there where we box and ship, you know, all day long. And we have special boxes with special insulation, you know, inside those boxes. We go, we use a lot of dry ice. Um, our beef is shipped frozen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really the, it's a growing market. People are more and more people seem to be buying their food online. And as confirmation of this, fillyourplate.org, which is a listing of beef producers that will sell directly, pre the pandemic, we had maybe 20 to 25 beef producers that were listed on Fill Your Plate. Now it's more than 50 because yep. more of them are trying to get in the game. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge, though, is the processing. But you've resolved that bottleneck because you invested in your own USDA. Yeah. Yeah. Plan. And that, that's really, um, a, that's a key part of our company. I mean, we, we are completely integrated. We, we are the rancher. Uh, we are the processor. Uh, we take care of distribution. Uh, we do the whole gamut from front, really from ranch to table, yeah. farm to fork, you know, however. Gate we, to plate. Gate to plate. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So two thirds of America's ranches are at least second generation. That's a USDA statistic. Mm-hmm. So your proof of the pudding that you're getting all four of your four kids mm-hmm. <laughs> in the business with you. Yes. So talk a little bit more about that. I mean, did you have to wrangle them? Yeah. Well, my kids all <laughs> like grew a wrangler? up. Yeah, my kids grew up at the end of a dirt road in uh, Humboldt, Arizona, Humboldt Dewey. And you were talking with Rosie beforehand mm-hmm. where this studio is, our flagship station, mm-hmm. uh, just at the base of the Phoenix Mountain Preserve. Mm-hmm. You grew up here before it was the Phoenix Mountain Preserve, and the dreamy draw was uh, your daredevil. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we drove mini bikes and motocross bikes all, all over the desert out here. And I, I, I grew up in the desert. I grew up in the outdoors. My parents belonged to a four-wheel drive club. My dad had a lot of ranchers that were friends. Uh, he worked on the McCormick Ranch, worked on the Ganey Ranch. And so, uh, you know, the outdoors, I, I love the outdoors. And so my children uh, were all raised at the end of a dirt road on, uh, well, I, I'd call it a small ranch, but it was really a mule ranch. We we bought mules and trained mules and packed mules. And as Arizona grew and more and more people 
got out in the outdoors, we, we wanted to, to get access to the wilderness country of Arizona, so started the mule business. <laughs> Interesting. And we'll continue the conversation with Arizona Farm Bureau spokeswoman Julie Murphy and rancher Tim uh, Peterson of Arizona Grass-Fed Beef. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer. Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one here? Eat beef, eat beef, it's a mighty good food. It's mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. meal when I'm really Yes. So for a family who's never bought a side of beef before, uh-huh. uh, it's a huge benefit. I mean, we, we'll get out the recipe book, decide what we want, and then go pull it out of the freezer. Or right. if we don't know what we want, we'll go look in the freezer until we find, hey, this sounds fun for tonight. We did ribs last weekend. That was the first time uh, we're not big rib eaters. Right. Uh, generally, when we do our processing, we give the ribs to someone else and we'll take uh you know more ground beef or something but we did ribs last weekend and you know it's just it it opens up uh a a lot of uh, adventure in your your meal planning for the family when you've got Mm -hmm. a whole side of beef what kind of investment for a family are we looking at if we're we're let's start modest let's take a quarter of a of a (laughs) steer yeah so you can you can order a quarter beef on our website uh it's it's about 75 pounds of of beef and it'll run you about six hundred ninety-five dollars. Uh, half beef will run you thirteen one thousand three hundred and twenty-five, and a whole beef will almost twenty-five hundred dollars. But it's it's meat you'll have in the freezer for quite some time. Yep. And by the way, just so our listeners know, the beef industry in Arizona alone is a seven hundred eighty-four million dollar industry. That's in cash receipts. That's not counting the contribution that the beef industry gives to those that they employ. How yeah. many employees do you have, oh, Tim? Oh, we probably have 20, 20 to 25. There you go. So, yeah. And that's just one rancher. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. But it's, um, you, you know, it seems like a big investment for a family to buy a whole beef, but that's mm-hmm. meat that's going to yeah. last what? Well, you know, it could the, last a year. Yeah. So the, so the unit price goes down, the price per pound as you buy more beef from our company. Uh, a lot of people will go in with uh, the neighbors or with other family members, you know, the brothers, sisters, and they'll buy a whole beef because it's cheaper to get the whole beef, and then they divvy it up based on what each family member really likes. And I haven't bought beef in so long because we've been raising our own. And mm-hmm. uh, But you had mentioned that quarter pound. I divided that's $8 a pound on average right? Um, for a quarter beef, all organic, locally raised. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what it is in the store, but that can't be. I mean, that's pretty competitive, I would think. It's very reasonable. So, you know, you look at $8 a pound, it's a little expensive for ground beef, but it's very right. reasonable for ribeyes and New Yorks and top sirloin, the, you know, the middle meats. You get roast. You get- and it's very reasonable compared to going to a restaurant and ordering yes. a steak. We still have to do that because we have to support our local restaurants by the Now, a question that for bought the, from him too. That bought from Tim. So <laughs> a question. You can for, buy it from Tim for eight dollars a pound, or the restaurant for twelve dollars a pound. There you go. Well, I know for a fact Jennifer I just bought ribeyes at our favorite butcher shop, and it was twenty four dollars a pound. Yeah, uh, it was. It was a very good steak, but it, I mean that's that's what you're going to get. But I have a question for the for the homeowners. Sure. Um, not having grown up on the ranch, many of our listeners are uh, urban folks. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, how in the world am I going to store a yeah. quarter of Good beef? Point. I mean, yep. I, I think it takes a much smaller chest freezer than people realize. One cubic foot 
for 35 to 40 pounds of beef. One cubic foot. Is the hmm. rule. And so, it comes shrink-wrapped, frozen. Cryo-backed, yep. Yeah. Yep, and we deliver it right to your house. Now, when when the other thing, too, and I'm, I know you clarify this on the website, but if I'm to buy for my family a half a beef, I mean, it's cut up, right? Oh, yeah. It's all, I, all I don't know why I, I, I felt like I had a need uh, to ask that question. It's got the hoof still on it, some hide. We, some we hide. rail it in your front door on the rail. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that might make people nervous is wondering, what am I going to, I don't, I'm not familiar with the different cuts, but. Um, y'all have a great website, mm-hmm. the one you, you talked about, Arizona Grass Raised Beef, and it's got great recipes on there, and specifically for the organic grass-fed beef, and also lots of um, recipes and tips. So yep. Yes, and Fill Your Plate also has a lot of recipes that are beef-related, but you ought to go to Tim's website first because mm-hmm. he, they're connoisseurs of this. They get their product. They know it. Uh, you know, and Romy, I've got to add a few more points to those statistics because you're my numbers guy, and you appreciate. Hey, I've been saving this. I sent it to you. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes, you did. But I, just no, on I'm those, saving it for a little later. <laughs> those cash receipts at 784 million. Well, normally beef in Arizona is at the top of the leaderboard, as I like to say it. Number one, it's not unusual for us to have a billion dollars in cash receipts with our beef. This is just proof of the pudding that our Arizona families and America at large likes their beef. An awesome thing. Well, you cratered down in my book to like third on the leaderboard, although that's not that much of a uh, fall. But just for our listeners to know, these ag commodities, they'll have shifts in the year depending on what's going on with the market, some of the challenges with ranching. Mm-hmm. So while beef is typically at the top of the leaderboard, number one in terms of selling cash receipts. And by the way, those are dollars that come into Arizona. That's a economic benefit to us. So it's typical that beef is number one. I see you guys being back up there again. Uh, usually there's a rotation between dairy and beef. Right now, head lettuce is at the top of the leaderboard. So we need our vegetables, and you can't have an awesome steak from Tim's company without a A great salad. A cold garden salad salad in front of it, right? Yes, without a great salad. So it's all good stuff. If you've got a question or like to talk to the Farm Bureau or Tim Peterson, it's 1-888-767-4348. 1-888-ROSIE for you. Oh, how lovely cooks the meat. Oh, how lovely cooks the meat. When I get back home to eat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. I smell it far away, and I thought of it all day. She's cooking the meat for me. What a meal it's going to be. So inquiring minds want to know, Mr. Tim Peterson of Arizona Grass-Fed Beef, when you cook your own meat, your own beef, how do you? what cut do you pick, and how do you like to cook it? Hmm. Uh, I like steaks, like all of us. So cooking grass-fed beef is a little different. It's it's a leaner product, um, and our, and our website has a lot of tips. But um, we like to bring it to room temperature, and uh, before you cook it, yep, before we cook it, bring it to room temperature, and I like to sear it uh, on a real hot skillet, uh, both sides quickly, real hot. The biggest mistake people make cooking grass-fed beef is um, overcooking it. It's the burger, the steaks are actually more palatable when they're rare to medium rare. Uh, That's the way I like it. Yeah. 
Now, Tim, yes. in that skillet, are we dropping the room temperature meat into a dry, hot cast iron skillet? Now, in my house, that's usually got about a half inch of melted butter and a little olive oil as, in it. As long as it's grass-fed butter. Okay. okay. <laughs> all in all. Okay. So I wanted to share with the listeners eight ways ranchers help the environment. And Tim can speak to this a lot because the life cycle for grass-fed beef is they're pretty much out on the range the entire time. Mm-hmm. So Tim and ranchers like him maintain and introduce habitat to areas they've restored. A lot of times if a ranch has taken over some public lands, uh, there's some restoration that has to take place, including even reintroducing some native grasses. Uh, they use rotational grazing to improve and protect the land. You want to do that. You kind of want to stir it up with those cattle hooves, but you also want to rest and obviously you want the another cycle of grass to grow on it. Uh, They manage streams and wetlands to create a buffer that helps prevent bank erosion, including preventing runoff and improving uh, fish habitat. They protect open spaces. Basically, it's a partnership between state and federal governments and the rancher because it's overwhelming in many instances and a lot of our federal lands, they're not really maintaining them. They can't maintain them. The rancher comes along and with his cattle, helps do that. So, uh, by the way, a lot of these uh, facts are coming in from the Arizona Beef Council, Council, which is our entity. The Beef Council does research and marketing on behalf of the beef industry here in Arizona and actually across America. Um, they harness solar power. This is my favorite one. They harness solar power to exploit Arizona's plentiful sun to power their ranches mm-hmm. and also their water supplies for not only their cattle, but it benefits wildlife. So, if we're going to get rid of cattle on public lands, which sometimes there's talk in the public about that, you've got to remember your wildlife are going to suffer as a result of that. Um, Compost, ranchers like Tim also compost cattle manure into fertilizer products that can be used for golf courses, athletic fields, gardens. And guess what? Our organic farms need the animal agriculture industry. Otherwise, they wouldn't have that organic fertilizer that they need. And then They also, our ranchers like Tim, also control invasive weeds and reduce plant fuel buildup on grazing lands to avoid forest fires. One of the final points from Arizona Beef Council's eight ways that ranchers help the environment is they feed cattle crops grown locally to reduce fuel needed for transportation. That's why you see a lot of our farm and ranch families today, especially in animal agriculture, that are fully integrated they're a lot of times growing their own feed that they turn around and feed to their cattle because they're reducing a lot of that transportation cost. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, of those eight points that I listed, mm-hmm. which one is your favorite? Uh, the three the three ranches that we currently own uh, are all ranches that we purchased, um, and they were in bad, bad shape. So we like we like the term regenerative agriculture. We like to buy ranches that have historical attributes, and we love to buy ranches that are in need of a lot of repair. Uh, not only can we buy them a little cheaper, but then we can have a hand in um, rebuilding the ranches. So um, currently, um, I'm working with uh, you know the Forest Service, State Trust, Lands, uh, BLM. Uh, we have a biologist that we work with here in Arizona. Um, we do biological assessments. Uh, we work with the Game and Fish. Uh, we do receive some funding occasionally from Game and Fish just to clean out uh, stock tanks because uh, the waters that we develop 
are not only good for the cattle, but they're great for the wildlife. And um, so my favorite would be sort of the the, the regentrification, the the uh, uh, rotating, building, you know, making sure that the cattle move around on the ranch. Because we, we had a ranch several years ago, 80% of it burnt down. And for many years, it wasn't grazed. And uh, I still don't believe it's being properly grazed, but I'm, I'm working with, you know, the government and we're trying to work through all that. God bless you. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part of this, this whole endeavor. And, and so, so, um, cattle, you know, and, and, and it's just my belief that cattle are good for the environment. Um, we're not certified organic. We're better than organic. And the reason why we're better than organic is because our cattle roam on, you know, a quarter million acres of Arizona rangeland, and you know it's 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 the sun and the rain and and everything that nature provides to grow that grass. Different different grasses at different elevations, uh, which is also why why we rotate cattle around. Um, but but uh, you know, building up grasses and grill, building up fuel for fires probably isn't isn't a smart thing to do, and. Um, Grazing helps maintain and manage that so that we mm -hmm. can work to avoid these catastrophic fires that we have, especially here in Arizona and California. I can't remember which one of your ranchers came on and said, I think he was from Globe, but it was shortly after, uh, and it wasn't that he came on because of the fire, but it was after the one that uh, burned up Four Peaks so bad. Mm -hmm. And he kind of made a point, and he's like, well, you know, they haven't let us graze that. And he's like, with no grazing you're getting blazing or something <laughs> yes had a little, no grazing yeah. you're getting blazing which is so true yeah. yeah and we we were we were in in uh discussions on this one particular ranch about why can't we graze more cattle why why are we why are you holding us off what and we're still doing that we're still it it just doesn't make sense to me and i don't want to get into all that side of it but but literally less than a year later, 80, 80, 80 to 85% of the ranch went up in flames. Mm. Uh, we had to rebuild 25 miles of fencing. Uh, a lot of that money came out of my pocket. You know, uh, Kudos to the firefighters. They saved the headquarters. But, uh, but now that all that chaparral is burned off, what's growing? More grass. But we're still not able to graze more cattle. So, and you have you have <laughs> to have enough cattle to maintain the quality level of grazing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, this is a, it's more protective for the wildlife too because they can't do it all. Yeah, um, and we do what's called monitoring. We have monitoring stations set up around these ranches. We're we're keeping an eye on the feed. Uh, the bio, biologist that we contract with. Uh, is a retired Forest Service biologist, and, and he does consulting. Uh, we have him come out to the ranch and do monitoring. We, we try to hold ourselves accountable outside of just our limited knowledge. So know. if you're regenerating some of those areas, especially ranches that you may uh, acquire, you're introducing maybe some of those native uh, grasses. I know some of my farm or ranchers down south uh, I think of one in particular, he's in Pima and Santa Cruz counties, just reintroducing those grasses and kind of seeing, especially if there's not been any management or maintenance in that area for some time, just seeing it bloom. It's one of the most exciting things that some of my ranchers talk about. Yeah. They love the environment. They love the land. They want to take care of it. it mm -hmm. Like in your case, second, maybe third generation 
ranch families, if we've got some of these ranch families in Arizona that are fifth, sixth, and seventh generations, mm-hmm. they have to, they're forced to take care of the yeah. land, even if they don't claim it's their priority. But most ranchers I talk to, it's their priority. Mm-hmm. One pretty cool thing related to the environment in just the past 30 years related to exclusively Arizona or animal agriculture, dairy and milk production has increased 48% per unit emissions for dairy and it, the emissions have declined by 26%. Beef production has increased 18% in the last 30 years. So we, we have more beef out on the land, in mm-hmm. the feedlots, but the per unit emissions have fallen more than 8%. And again, Romy, I'm sharing these statistics for you. Uh, on pork production, because we do have pork production in Arizona too, it's increased 80%. And this is a across the United States statistic. While per unit emissions have fallen nearly 20%, uh, most of those statistics come from American Farm Bureau Federation from their economic team crunching the numbers on this. And Romy, I think you said you had some numbers. I do. I, I think Romy should explain per unit. What is it? Per unit what? emissions. Yes. I, I, explain that. <laughs> well, per unit emissions with uh, <laughs> greenhouse gases, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, you know who really needs to explain this is... Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know who measures this. <laughs> My cousin works for a company who was hired by the government of New Zealand to develop a food that reduces methane output of goats. Yes. And there's a lot of research going on. that. Not just goats, but also beef and dairy. Yep. So yep. I, I'd imagine that, that there's a lot of crossover. So for a couple <laughs> years while their company uh, was working on this, the, the, the joke of the family is, you know, her, her job title is a goat fluff sniffer. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and even I think they're even experimenting with that genetically. Uh, so my question is, you mean we can extrapolate through the research better burps and you know what? But, you know... Today's well, science see, is discovering the, everything. They're, they're making electricity off of methane out of the landfill. Right. So why wouldn't you go the other way and use that to generate electricity? Well, <laughs> and that's another, another topic for another day. But our dairies, a lot of them, we have at least half a dozen here in Arizona that have those methane digesters. And they're basically capturing the methane. And put, then put your convert- hand over your heart. God bless Texas A&M Aggies. <laughs> that, <laughs> and and all, U of A. This all has to be Texas A&M Aggie and U of A. It yes. has to be. <laughs> the land-grant universities. So, Well, the alternatives are things like, uh, do you guys remember a couple years ago we tried the cricket bars? Oh, There's yeah. some guys in, yes. in Tucson who were uh, raising crickets and making them into protein bars. Yeah. Exactly. You know, for Arizona ranching families, the land is not just where they raise their cattle. It's also where they raise their families. Tim, you can speak to this so clearly with your own kids. Uh, They have a personal stake in the quality of their environment. That's one of the reasons that they're passionate about it. And my gut tells me, Tim, for you and your family and the way you were raised out in the middle of nowhere at the time, uh, you wanted to maintain that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. uh Yeah. My wife and I, you know, hands down agree that our kids are be- just better kids for growing up in the country. And uh, that's just an opinion. But we made that decision years ago when we decided to have children. And we both grew up in Phoenix when it was a much, much, much smaller town. 
and kept moving north. And I remember, you know, the day we made the decision, we're going to start having children and we want to raise them in the country, kind of like how we were raised, you know. And and so, uh, you know, my, my youngest son is, is a heck of a cowboy. My grandson is nine years old. He's, he team ropes. I mean, he, he, he's out on a horse right now pushing cows and he's nine years old with his, you know, with his dad. Um, I just read an interesting book. It's called Cattle Kingdom and that, that whole evolution of the industry right after the Civil War. And um, I know it's some of the things that influenced how we raise our cattle today. We've gotten better at it. We do um, better at it. So um, you're always looking for new ways to improve the air, the water, and the land on and near your property and some of the things you spoke to. But what do you think has been your proudest moment in really contributing not only to your business, to the environment? And you'll get four minutes to oh, think yes. about that. All right, Mr. Peterson, we said we'd give you four minutes to think about your proudest uh, accomplishment, but we really didn't do that because we bombarded you with questions the whole four minutes. Yes. I got so engrossed in the conversation, I didn't even give him time to answer it. Yeah. So. Proudest moment. I don't know that there was a moment. Moment. Uh, accomplishment. Yeah, yeah uh, accomplishment. I'll I tell you what I really get, I, I guess, you know, pride, being prideful about just the fact that um, because I'm a, been in Arizona, you know, my whole life and, um, I love the history. I love the outdoors. The, the, the proudest moment is when we can take a ranch that's been run down or a, a piece of country, a large piece of country, and over a period of time, um, rebuild the infrastructure for the cattle, rebuild the genetics of the cattle. And the genetics are very important and, and just see the whole thing work, you know, uh, with the environment, I mean the, the the environment. The ranch is the environment. I mean, there's it's. You can't have you know. the cattle without the ranch, and vice versa, right? Yeah, vice versa. Symbiotic. I mean, ranchers really are, really are environmentalists. People say, yeah. well, you know, make ranching more sustainable. Well, we've been running cattle, you know, as 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 people for you know thousands of years, and we've been running cattle in Arizona for a couple hundred years. Yes, and yeah. uh, so it's it's already sustainable. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, I love being able to bring, um, the consumer, uh, what I believe to be a healthy product. I like to be able to grow those cattle on that ranch that we've rebuilt. Um, we've, we've reestablished grazing patterns and, and the waterways and we've worked with biologists and endangered species to taking all that into consideration. Because it's, it's exciting stuff to do too. I yeah. mean, it's pretty neat to a lot see of moving parts. something transform. Mm -hmm. Romy, I can tell you're looking at some stats. <laughs> when you are talking about sustainable, uh, it, it, the economic benefit as well. This isn't numbers I put together, but I just did the ratio. And this comes from Arizona Water Facts. One of the tabs on there is a breakdown of the industries that are big water users in Arizona. And it's agriculture. That is true. Mining and golfing. Right. Now, a lot of the golf has reclaimed water that's been repurposed and everything. But it talks about the number of jobs versus the economic output that each one of those industries put together. Farming and mining, as it relates to the job creations and the economic output, 
was within a half a percent of each other. And this is in the, you know, um, on the ratio standpoint, agriculture is a $23 billion industry to Arizona and mining is a $5.9 billion industry. Golfing is $3.9 billion, but the difference is their economic output is 50% less hmm. than golfing and agriculture. Sure. Farming is 56% more efficient in economic output than golfing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if you run your ranch today, like great-grandfather did, you're still in business. You're still in business, and that's what's mm-hmm. so amazing. So I know that you've inspired listeners my ma- mouth has been watering, especially when we've been talking about steak and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know you've inspired some of our listeners to check your site out again, or at least to check you out. What's the site? Yep, it's azgrassraisedbeef.com. And I want to put a little plug in for a, a partner we have, uh, Arcadia Meats, over on 40th Street in Indian mm-hmm. School. Yes. And uh, they, they're a partner of ours, and they sell a lot of our beef over there. Awesome. So, so. it's a good plug for them. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and that's a butcher shop. You oh, yeah. just uh, walk in, mm-hmm. pick your cuts out, take yeah. them home. We ship fresh beef down there every week. And they do a little dry aging down there. Uh, so What's it's your a, dry it's age shop. time frame, by the way? Yeah, our, our dry age is about 38 days. Okay. So a little mm-hmm. bit longer than... A, mm-hmm. a lot of times the industry classified... What did I just hear? Something like 18 to 24 mm-hmm. days. Okay. So mm-hmm. a, a good dry aged. And if anybody ever wants more information about recipes, they can go to your website. Yep. Now, are you guys uploading new recipes based on some of the things you discovered? Or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're staying on top of that. Because cooking grass-fed beef is... is it's kind of unique. It's a little different. And when you watch chefs... You know, taste grass-fed beef, the bite, the chew. I mean, just the hamburger patty we put out took me six months to develop. And so you're figuring out some of these recipes, mm-hmm. or at least the way to cook them because they're grass-raised. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, my sense is you'll be in business for a long time. Um, I also talk about Tim as being a great marketer. He gets he gets the niche niche market and you figure out what c- customers want and you meet that mm-hmm. need. At the end of the day, Julie, the bottom line is people more and more just want to know where their food's coming from. Yep. And you yep. provide it. Yep. And remember to go to azfb.org for more information about Arizona agriculture and our fill your plate which is consumer facing with recipes. Well, and sign up for your $60 yes. annual Farm Bureau membership support yes. local ag and you get a lot of uh, you know, added value pricing at all kinds of different locations that you spend money at normally. And you support ranchers, awesome ranchers like Tim Peterson. Thank you.